Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing PR and marketing strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. It's ideal for small business owners, including authors, artists and creatives on a budget who understand the value of getting yourself or your vegan brand featured regularly in the media, but can't afford to spend thousands of dollars or pounds a month to hire a publicist or PR firm. With Vegans in the Limelight, you get access to online video training that takes you through every step of how to get media coverage that can help you generate more leads and sales, as well as grow your email list and social media following. So we cover how PR and social media work in tandem, how to research and target the media without spending a cent, how to find the stories in your vegan brand on a regular basis, how to approach journalists the right way with ideas and stories. That's a really important one. How and when to write a media release. How to create an online media room for your website without spending heaps of time or money. How to respond to journalists' call-outs or queries, which is the easiest and quickest way to get media coverage and free publicity content marketing and PR, so how to create your own shareworthy stuff and leverage it to the max, writing and content creation tips for opinion pieces, listicles, features and columns, speaking gigs and PR, so how to leverage events to gain media coverage, and interview tips for print, online, radio and TV. Now, as well as the video training, which you go through at your own pace over 12 months, the program also includes a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live Q&A call. You can also post your questions throughout the year on the learning platform, and you can post your pitches and media releases and get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses. And it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, coaches, and creators. Current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows, as well as blogs and podcasts. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but don't have the budget to hire a publicist or PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enroll. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the program Vegans in the Limelight. And there's also a link on the show notes page. And if you have any questions about the program, including whether it's right for you, feel free to email me at katrina at veganbusinessmedia.com. Now for the main part of the show. 
In this episode, I interview Brooke Goldner, medical doctor and plant-based healer in Texas. Brooke was diagnosed with systemic lupus nephritis with stage 4 kidney disease at the age of 16 and made a startling recovery at 28 through plant-based nutrition from supermarket foods. She's been symptom-free ever since with normal lab results and no trace of disease in her body. Now she educates physicians and patients on how to heal and achieve vibrant health using her hypernourishing healing protocol and supermarket foods, a system that's helped patients with lupus and a multitude of other autoimmune diseases. A board-certified medical doctor licensed to practice medicine in California and Texas, Brooke is also a psychiatrist specializing in healing the mind from trauma, depression and anxiety. This forms part of her online nutrition programs to help people worldwide live a healthy, happy life. She's the author of two best-selling books, Goodbye Lupus and Green Smoothie Recipes to Kickstart Your Health and Healing, and has been featured in multiple documentaries such as Eating You Alive, Whitewashed and The Conspiracy Against Your Health. She's also a popular media commentator and keynote speaker who regularly shares the stage with her plant-based contemporaries, including Drs. Ornish, Esselstein, and T. Colin Campbell. Brooke is a graduate of the Temple University School of Medicine, was chief resident at UCLA Harbor Residency, and holds a certificate in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University. She's the founder of veganmedicaldoctor.com, goodbyelupus.com, and creator of the hypernourishing protocol for lupus recovery. In this interview, Brooke discusses why she gives a lot of information to people on how to heal themselves away for free, what people pay for when signing up for her programs, the benefits of practicing online as a medical and health practitioner, the legalities regarding what health and medical practitioners can and can't do online and how to ensure you comply, how she attracts mostly non-vegan clients to her brand, what you need in place to set up and run online programs, how she comes up with ideas for her programs and products to ensure their success, and much more. Here's the interview with Dr. Brooke Goldner. Hello, Brooke. Thank you so much for joining me. It's absolutely my pleasure. Great to speak with you. Um, you've got such a fascinating story and I'm really looking forward to hearing that as well as, uh, yeah, your kind of business journey as a, a medical doctor as well. So as you know, the first question I, I always kick off with on the podcast is always love to hear why people do the kind of work that they do. So tell us your reasons and your drivers for doing what you do. So for me, my drive for doing what I do is that I absolutely have no other choice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a good reason. (laughs) I I feel like I've been compelled along this journey. Everything that I've ever been through in my life makes sense now that I do what I do. So growing up as a sick kid with lupus, going through chemotherapy, having mini strokes, all the things that I lived through as a sick person, um, which drove me to want to go into medicine to try to help other sick people. And then, you know, accidentally healing the disease that was considered incurable since I was young, and then uh, now getting to do that for other people. So it's just, I feel like I've always just followed my heart and my passion, and my passion's always been for helping people. I just didn't know in what way I was going to get to do that. Um, But for me, 
you know, being a medical doctor and I went on to become a medical director uh, at a nonprofit and I absolutely loved the work, but my heart was pulling me by the chest. Just, you know, you're not helping enough people. You need to do more. You need to be bigger. Um, you need to reach more people. And so that's how I got to do the way, what I do now where I use the internet to teach and see patients from all over the world and heal people so that they don't have to suffer suffer, and, and they can give the gifts they were born to give. Wow. I just feel like I don't have anything else I could do or else I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Wow, that's amazing because you went into it. I think it was psychiatry, your, your specialist discipline. Is that right? Right. So I'm board certified in psychiatry and neurology. Right, right. So, and that's an interesting one because you've kind of gone from that. And I know you, you did have a business where you were doing online Skype psychiatry sessions. And now you focus very much on helping people to overcome particularly autoimmune diseases because of your own experience. So that's quite a bit of a, a change. So what it, made you... It actually isn't. It isn't a change at all. It, it's kind of funny. So uh, I, I still do some Skype psychiatry, uh, but I don't consider the healing world to be outside of psychiatry. Someone asked me recently if I missed it. And I said, I've never left because, you know, <laughs> for example, in, you know, so I have a six-week rapid recovery group where people from all around the world will come in for six weeks and I help them every day learn how to eat in a way that can reverse their diseases, whether it's lupus or scleroderma or Sjogren's. But what I learned very early on is most people don't need help. Like once I teach them the nutrition, they learned it, right? What they need the most help with, besides making it fit into their life, is all the emotional stuff that holds them back from eating right. You know, that food isn't about just, oh, I should eat this and not eat that. You know, it's really about so much more than that. And so for a lot of people, you know, they've got depression or anxiety or they've got, um, you know, nobody in their life supports them. You know, their husbands eat, want steak at night and they're trying to drink green smoothies. You know, um, there, there's so much emotional aspects to food and then they have to go through detox and they have to stay motivated. And so I spend a lot of my time in my, in my healing programs really helping people stay focused and centered and inspired and encouraged, which is all what I trained to do. Right. So it, it, Got it just, it. everything yeah. works. <laughs> that makes sense now that you've, you've said that. Yeah, I guess I, I, as I was thinking, you've gone from kind of, I guess, working, you know, like you say, as a medical director, having a job, uh, to now kind of running your own business, which I guess that Correct. could be a, a, a bit of a change. So can you tell us a little bit, and you mentioned you do some uh, Skype psychiatry sessions and you've also got your own um, online program. Um, what were some of your key challenges when you say first starting up the Skype psychiatrist business and then the one and also with the one that you you're focusing on now? So when I first wanted to go online with a medical practice, it actually wasn't done yet. Nowadays, people have heard of telemedicine. It's something that's actually covered by insurance. But when my husband first approached me, so my husband uh, originally trained in computer science and, and before he went into the health world himself, and now he's very well known for, you know, in the vegan world for fitness and health. But he was the one who kept telling me, we need to use the internet. You need to get out there online. And I said, you can't do medical work <laughs> online. Like, that's not what, you know, you have to have a practice. You have to have an office. And he goes, you're thinking small. Let's do this. So I started investigating, well, can I do this? And uh, is it, you know, is it HIPAA compliant? Is it, you know, all this stuff. And everything I found out was, well, actually HIPAA, which are the privacy laws in, in America, those were written before there was internet. So therefore, there's really not about it, but uh, not, nothing to really uh, give us a lot of rules or how we should do it. So I worked with my 
malpractice insurance company and we figured out, you know, what papers I had to fill out. So that was really important for me was figuring out the legality of it, make sure that I'm protected, make sure my insurance company will cover me. And so that's something that, you know, I had to put into place and all that paperwork and everything. And then it really, you know, became exciting was, well, now that I'm limitless, what can I do? Well, I found out very quickly, I'm not limitless. Uh, when you're practicing <laughs> medicine, um, I, internationally, I can do it, no problem. In the United States, you have to be licensed by state. So I can practice medicine with someone who's in a state where I'm licensed, so California or Texas, and everywhere else, I can act as their nutrition consultant, but I'm, I can't give them medical advice. So they also have to be able to sign the paperwork saying they have their own doctor, but I'm the one that's running their nutrition program so that okay, I can it. do that. So there was a lot of the legality stuff involved uh, with the, bringing the medical practice onto the internet that wouldn't be involved probably in most businesses. So that's how I come around. I have lawyers that help me out to make sure that with the nutrition business that I'm with, you know, I'm not doing anything that I shouldn't be. And everybody knows it. Although they do try to get me to, you know, give them medical advice. They still try to sneak me questions like, all right, if it were you or me alone in a room and I was your sister, what would you tell me? Uh, <laughs> I can, I can. <laughs> right. That's interesting, isn't it? That you can treat people as a psychiatrist or as a medical doctor internationally, but not within Correct. the US. How bizarre is that? Um, but I think yeah. that's, that's an interesting one. It's an important one, I think, particularly because now, you know, we're seeing kind of more people like, you know, nutritionists and medical doctors kind of doing the kind of work that you're doing, not exactly the kind, but you know what I mean, going online and having their own programs and just making really sure that, yeah, they are doing obviously everything within the bounds of their uh, legality. So, so you've mentioned that you, you work with, with lawyers and stuff. So with the vegan medical doctor, so you can pronounce that you're, you, you can get the authority of being a, a medical doctor, but you're not allowed to give medical advice, but you can give nutrition advice. Is that right in your online programs? If it's if it's out of state, out of state, uh, then then yes. So I am I, I can't turn off the fact that I'm a medical doctor. Uh, you know that I have the knowledge that I have, but I draw the line at I can't make recommendations about your medical care. So you work with your doctor on tapering your meds as you don't need them anymore. Uh, I'm going to work on helping you get so nourished and healthy that you don't need them anymore. Got so it. that's the difference versus someone who's, let's say, in California, where I could say, you know what, it sounds like it's time for you to taper your medicine or something like that because I, I, I'm legally allowed to do that. So, um, yeah, I have to tiptoe that line. Yeah, but it. internationally, it's not an issue, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, got it. What about, like, because some professionals might say it's great kind of doing that sort of stuff online, but there's certain things you can learn about by people by physically examining them, like, you know, looking at their, their eyes and doing physical exams. So do you kind of... Uh, do what you do within the the bounds of kind of online and then recommend if they need to go for a test and you know be looked at by uh, a doctor in person what I do online is something that doesn't actually require physical exam so yeah. if I'm practicing psychiatry then usually that person is going to get their physical exams done by their primary care doctor and then through conversation you would notice hey uh, you know what your symptoms you're saying you have depression but Depression could be a symptom of hypothyroid, and you actually have a lot of symptoms of hypothyroid. So I think we should test for that. But I don't need to do the exam for that. I, I yeah. understand by talking to people. So with psychiatry, we do most of our work through conversation. So that's actually a really great fit. And then for the nutrition work also, you know, I'm not a rheumatologist. So they go to their rheumatologist and they get all their tests done, or if they have MS or going to a neurologist, they're getting all their tests done. I'm able to see their tests. I'm able to see their labs. 
And what I'm helping them do is nourish their cells and help them with what they're eating. So as long as they have their doctor following them, it works really well. And I've been running these nutrition programs for healing for over 10 years. And, uh, and it's worked out really, really well. And what's been the feedback from other, say, non-vegan or non-plant-based um, medical professionals, doctors particularly, to the work that you do? Like, do you find the majority of them are on board with it and happy to kind of work with you or su- support their patients working with you as well? The reactions from other doctors to the work I do has been very varied. So when I first started doing it, it was very much unanimous of that can't be real <laughs> because we didn't <laughs> learn it in medical school, which, you know... I, when I healed from lupus, it was a complete accident. And I was an intern, which means I had just graduated medical school. I was finally starting my residency. And I was, you know, four years away from being out working by myself in the world. And suddenly I heal from an incurable disease. And I didn't think I was cured because I had just graduated medical school. And so I already knew that diet had nothing to do with disease or I would have learned it, right? So even I was kind of thick-headed when it happened (laughs) because, you know, it just didn't, that just wasn't a possibility. So it never entered my mind. And then after I had my first child and realized, you know, lupus has not come back and it's not going to, that's when I started, that's when my husband and I went, okay, what did we do? And then we realized all we did was change my diet. And that's when we got into really researching and understanding the cellular biology of, you know, cellular function and healing and and the immune system. So even for me, that was tough. But when I first started, definitely people were self-referring and their doctors were saying, you know, that's not going to happen. Nowadays, like I said, it's been quite a number of years. Nowadays, I get a lot of referrals from doctors, which is wonderful. Uh, Not always from the rheumatologist. I had one client who uh, her rheumatologist said there's nothing they can do but meds. And then her appendix burst and she ended up getting emergency surgery for her appendix. And the surgeon who took out her appendix gave her my information. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Oh. So, you know, it's happening a lot like that or the nurse gives them my information or something like that. Uh, so for the ones who know about me, they're really excited. And I've had a lot of people tell me my doctor is taking all my labs and they can't wait to see what happens. Uh, and then the ones that don't know, you know, it's kind of like what Kim Williams said. It was He was head of the American Cardiology Association Yeah, I met last him at the year. weekend. I emceed an yeah. event he was at just a few weeks, literally yeah, last week. Very sweet yeah. guy. Yeah. And so what he what he's known for saying is that cardiologists are either vegan or they haven't read the research, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's kind of like that. So the ones who know are really excited and they know about me. And the ones who don't know will usually... There's a division. Some will say there's no evidence that nutrition has any effect on autoimmune disease. And others will say... I have never seen it ha- it help anybody, but I'm open to what you're doing. Cool. So okay. some are open, some are not. But it's, you know, even when it works, what fascinates me as a psychiatrist, you know, are the reactions of the doctors after they heal. So I have some doctors who have an appropriate response that says, what did you do? What was that book you read? Let me, you know, they, they get interested. And then that's what I hope will happen. I always tell patients, stay with your doctor if they don't believe because they need to, because there's thousands of people getting their care that they could be saving. So the appropriate response that I hope for is, tell me more about what you did. Um, give me Dr. Golder's number, <laughs> you know, yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, but I've had some that respond with, uh, too much of the time, my clients hear their doctors say, uh, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. And that's really frustrating. Um, I just had that happen. I had a client who had end-stage uh, kidney failure from lupus. She had 14% kidney function left. And she was on the transplant list. And her doctor told her, her nephrologist told her, there's nothing that will help you now. You are getting a kidney transplant. 
And she said, great, I have nothing to lose. I'm joining the six-week group. And so she joined my group and her kidney function went up 2% every week. And when she graduated at six weeks, it was 27%, which means she no longer needs a kidney transplant. Wow. And so her doctor said, this is a miracle. I've never seen anything like it. And whatever you're doing, keep doing it. <laughs> no, you know, I was crying about it because I, I mean, I literally cried sadly because how many people does he have on that transplant list who may not need an operation? If they well, just then a it's a little not bit of curiosity, them, though, is it? Then they that's what Kim Williams said at his talk last weekend. It's like, you know, if they kind of it kind of puts them out of business if patients are well, <laughs> right? But you know, I believe that people earnestly want to do good. I also know that it's hard for us to accept information that goes against our personal best interest. So there might be a little bit of an unconscious desire not to hear it or a defensiveness that if it was, if it mattered, I would have known, which I think a lot of doctors go through. I mean, we go through difficult, arduous, expensive training just to find out that you can help people more with kale than chemo. That's a tough one, right? So it's really hard. And then I have one woman recently, I healed her of lupus and Sjogren's in four weeks while pregnant. It was crazy. I mean, I was sweating. We were pedaled to the metal. She had a, her C-section was coming up and she was able to reverse it. And her doctor said, yes, it's, it's gone. They're, your labs are normal again, but you should just stay on your medicine because lupus doesn't really go away. So probably it'll just come back if you go off your meds. And I went, okay, that's kind of wacky. So in that instance, I said, you know, she's <laughs> like, maybe you should talk to another doctor. And she went to a new doctor who agreed with me, you know, that she should come off her meds. Yeah. Uh, but the new doctor said it's because she never had lupus or Sjogren's because if you had it, it's incurable. So therefore, if it's gone, yeah. that must mean that you never had it. Exactly. And I almost <laughs> passed out with that logic. <laughs> so, so leading on from that, Brooke, so what percentage would you say of your clients, because you've got obviously the URL, vegan medical doctor, um, and what percentage of your clients do you, do you think come to see you who are actually vegan? vegan and seek you out because of that versus those who just want your expertise in helping them overcome their autoimmune diseases? I think at this point, maybe only 30% or less of my clients are already vegan. Most of them come to, yeah. So most of the people come to me have very serious autoimmune disease and they're desperate to get better and they're even willing to do something as awful as go vegan if it will help them. So, um, <laughs> you know, and I mean that, you know, sarcastically is I, I love being vegan. I think it's the most beautiful experience that I've ever had. But for a lot of people, they're just, they'll do whatever it takes. And so uh, they're coming to me for that reason because they want the results that they know I can give them and they're willing to do the diet to get that result. I do have maybe 25% or so of uh, clients who come to me who are already vegan because a lot of people are doing the vegan diet, but it's not as nourishing as it needs to be. So they got rid of inflammatory foods like meat and dairy, but they're still eating processed foods or they're not eating enough raw foods or, or omega-3s or other things. And so I'm really good at helping them take a an okay vegan diet and turn it into a really nourishing one that'll reverse disease. And so those folks find me as well. Got it. So you run um, online programs, so you're able to actually, like you said, reach um, a lot more people. What are the, what are some of the challenges involved in setting up and running online programs? Ooh, challenges to online programs. Well, I think information delivery is really important. I've gotten better and better at that over time. Uh, I use I use a lot of video to connect with pe- people. A lot of live. I've, I've been I've been focusing on Facebook because most people know how to use it. 
And it's much easier than coming up with my own in a website version of things that people need to learn. But I think content delivery is important and also their ability to communicate with you and be able to get the kind of information they need back from you. Uh, making sure that I have complete records from everybody and that I have all their releases signed. So the paperwork side of it and the nitty gritty, that's the side I don't like, uh, but I think it's super important to get yourself started so you actually know the people coming in that you're treating and that you're helping. Um, and the rest of it, I find fun. The content delivery, I, that's, I love that. So And so do you, no do, do you use what's called the Ascension model where you do like some free stuff? So maybe you get on a Facebook Live and maybe do a Q&A or something so that people get to know you and then they sign up for your paid programs? I don't know that I'd call it an Ascension model. Uh, but similarly, I, I do have a lot of stuff that, that I do for free. And the reason I do that is because my husband and I both, we do, if you know us online, you know that we teach everything that we know for free, 100%. So nobody has to pay us to find out our secrets. We put them all out there for free because for us, you know, I never want someone to lose their their life because they just didn't have the secrets and they didn't have, you know, $15 to buy a book. I want everyone to have that. My husband says, I don't want anyone to lose their wife because they didn't have the information. So for us, we give that information away for free because we need to. We need to know that everyone who, who needs to have this information can have it. And if you go on the internet and you look up diet for autoimmune disease, you can find so many different people saying different things. And I've had people come to me in almost dead multiple times from being on a paleo diet and drinking bone broth all day and their kidneys failed and they're, you know, and it's just, they can, they can die from the wrong information. So I have to do that. And so the only reason that people will hire me is because they want me personally to oversee their program and help them through it. But I give it away for free because I, I'm compelled to, just like I'm compelled to do this work. I just want people to have that information. And so, yes, yeah, so for, I have, for example, I have free classes uh, that I do uh, usually about every two months. My next classes are coming up January 21st through the 28th. And so I teach the six steps to healing with supermarket foods. And I also do a case studies presentation where I introduce people to many, many people that I've helped heal their diseases and exactly how they did it so that anybody watching can repeat what they did at home. And I get messages every day from people who've healed themselves just from my free classes. And I love it. I'm so happy. Right. And from there, yes, if people want the home study version, uh, Goodbye Lupus is on Amazon. And, uh, and I have a green smoothie book and I have a recipe book that's coming out soon because people are just bugging me for more recipes. They go, great, we got the smoothies. What about some meals? We want to chew things. And I go, okay, I'm working on it. So that should be coming out this year. So for people who want that in their hand, very low cost to get a book on Amazon, you know? Um, and then what, what people pay for is, is my time. So I do Skype consultations. So sometimes people just want to meet with me for an hour and, and we go over what they're doing and come up with their own personalized plan that deals with their personal issues around food or their lifestyle, or for the people who really just want to, they need to get to the finish line. Their organs are failing, like the woman with kidney failure. I had someone recently who had brain lupus, who was having seizures every day from brain lupus, people who, or people who just are tired of being sick and they're willing to do whatever I say for six weeks, even if it's hard because my, my six week program is a rapid recovery program. It's all raw. It's all hyper nourishing foods. And I ride their butts every day. <laughs> to make sure. I mean, I inspire them every day. That's what I meant. Um, 
So that's the difference. So you're giving away the free, you're giving away the free content and then the paid stuff, what they're actually paying you for, like you said, is a more personalized experience where they've actually. Yeah, it's support. Yeah. Because for some people, like I said, they can take the information and heal themselves. Perfect. I'm so happy. But for many people, it's just not enough. They need it either personalized because they have gut issues or other problems or they need me there every day to hold their hands because this is hard and life is hard. And, and they, and so that's my favorite thing to do as a group, because I mean, it's like a family. It's beautiful to help people heal and let them experience it all together and watch each other. It's amazing. So that's, but, like yeah, that's, group, what people so that's a group program. And then do you mm-hmm. have, do you do any one-on-ones as well? Well, I have a four-week one-on-one program, and on that program, for people who don't want to be in the group or they just want to choose when they start, for four weeks, they can have unlimited access to my cell phone, where I take them through the same nutrition plan as the group, but instead of posting into the group every day and doing live meetings as a group, we talk on the phone uh, anytime they need to, every, you know, unlimited for four weeks. So um, it's, it's definitely more, it's definitely the most personal experience I have. And I usually can only have a couple people a month doing that because I... I yeah, I was going to say that's pretty time intensive. <laughs> like unlimited access to your cell phone. That's like, okay, well... Yeah, no, Mine, there's always a text. There's always yeah. a text going off. <laughs> I can imagine. Now, thanks for sharing that because I think that's really helpful for, you know, for health professionals to know the different types of, of ways you can work with people. Um, so that's been fantastic. Now, obviously, there's more, and we're seeing it, and I'm sure you're seeing it, there's more vegan and plant-based doctors, there's nutritionists, there's dietitians, there's health coaches, it's there's beautiful. a lot of people uh, getting in on this and starting up their channels and sharing. So how do you go about standing out within, uh, I guess, both the vegan community, but also outside of it and maintaining a steady flow of clients? For me, I think it's really my story that, that has me standing out for a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of people out there who have the information or have some information where they could say, oh, you know, I've done this course or I've been, you know, I've got the certification and this and that. But what people really tell me that draws them to me is because they know that I've been through it and I've been able to heal. So I'm not only a a medical doctor, but I was a former patient. And so whenever people tell me you're a weird kind of doctor, like I give every one of my clients my cell phone number. When I said that in front of a crowd of 600 doctors, (laughs) you heard a gasp (laughs) echo through the room. (laughs) Like, what do you do? How am I supposed to help someone who's suffering when they can't make an appointment for two months? They need to be able to reach me. So I'm very engaged with people and I'm very invested. We cry together when they're sick and we cry together when they heal, you know, and it's just, I'm very, very involved. And a lot of people have told me just watching me on Facebook or or listening to me in an interview that they feel, they can feel the connection in their heart and that helps them feel safe. And they, and they trust that, you know, that if someone said to me recently, I saw you because I can't help, but I, I, I'm very open with my feelings and I often will, will cry when I talk about you know, my life sick or, or healing. And they said, those tears are only tears that somebody who knows what it's like could have. Right. And, um, and that's, a, that's a connection that we have. And so I think, you know, whenever I meet someone or talk to someone who's sick, I can connect with them in that deep way about what it's like to be on the other side of the white coat. And, uh, and, I, and I'm really there for them in a big way. So I think yeah. that's one of the biggest draws that people have. Got it. Got it. Now you mentioned, you touched on, you use Facebook, for example. So you may do Facebook live, you're sort of out there or on Facebook. So I'm curious about that, whether there's any, or what risks or restrictions are there, particularly on medical professionals and health professionals being on social media in terms of what you can and can't do or say? 
There really aren't that many out there because, like I said, most of the laws they created around what we can and can't do happened before the internet. So, you know, and also it varies state by state. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a weird area. Uh, So what I just try to do is I stick with teaching what I know works. And then I always tell them, listen, you know, if you have specific issues, like uh, every time I give a class, I give my classes for free. And then I always stay on for a live Q&A afterwards. And the Q&A is usually longer than the class because I I try to stay (laughs) and answer all the questions until my bladder is just going to burst and I have to get off. Uh, But, but, you know, if someone asks me a more general question, like, can someone with hypothyroid have cruciferous vegetables, something like that, then I can answer that. Uh, but if it's something I have an issue where my blood test is like this or that, and I say, okay, listen, when it comes down to your personal medical issues, I'm not gonna be able to, to answer you without knowing you better. So, you know, if you want, that's, that's when you're going to want to make an appointment with me. So I do it that way where I'm not going to give you medical advice on your specific issue, but I can talk about general conditions, you know? Uh, so that's, that's how I try to manage it, but there's really not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of really solid laws around that just because it, you know, the internet is expanding faster than the legal stuff can keep up with it, really. Uh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I was kind of curious because I know there's some other medical and health professionals who I know are on, on Facebook and it's like, you know, sometimes if they're in a group, for example, and someone asks a question, it's like, yeah, they, they have to be a bit careful about what they say. So they're not looking as if, yeah, they're giving that person specific medical advice, um, mm-hmm. like, you know, take vitamin whatever without them you know being a patient in case of insurance purposes so that's interesting well, I like the yeah, way you-, you just don't want to hurt somebody right so yeah. if someone says hey I you know I was told that I can't eat vegetables because I'm taking uh coumadin which is a blood thinner that y- you can't uh have a certain amount of food you, the the healthy foods can actually affect your medicine so I I'll give them an answer that says okay well, you need to talk to your doctor and the things you can talk to your doctor about are switching to a different medicine that doesn't have the same dietary restrictions, such as another blood thinner by mouth, or there are other ones that you can do by injection. So you can talk to your doctor about that, or they can also take blood tests every week to make sure they change the dosage of your medicine to go along with whatever you're doing with your diet. So yeah. it's fairly specific advice in terms of here are real things that you can do, but I'm not going to say this is the one you should pick. It's, right. you know, go to your doctor, here's what other people do, and one of these might be a good fit for you. Perfect. Now, you've also been uh, featured in quite a range of uh, media. Um, how did that come about and how is it, um, what benefits has it brought to your business? You know, I have not planned any of this out. <laughs> you know, I, I was on the Home and Family Show on the Hallmark Channel, and they asked me uh, if they could connect with my publicist to go on some other shows. And I said, I don't have a publicist. And the woman looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> you know, I said, um, every interview, movie, show that I've ever been on, they reached out to me. And it's been just amazing. For me, I just am doing what I'm doing. I'm taking care of people and it's changing people's lives and they keep talking about it. So for example, the Home and Family Show, uh, the host that was on the show was someone that he was seeing me for rheumatoid arthritis. And so he's also the host of American Ninja Warrior and he was he was coming on that show. And so the producer called me and said, what happened to Matt? He's lost 20 pounds. He looks amazing. You know, he told me that you're the reason and we should bring you on. I said, okay, great. So I just happened to be in LA at the time. I went, sure, great, I'll come in. So it's all just been this natural buildup of me just pouring my heart out into people and taking care of them. And it's just grown on its own. And of course it benefits me. I mean, any 
anytime I'm on a show or anything like that, my book sales, you know, go up and more appointments come to me. And that's just giving me feedback that I'm getting the right message out there and I'm helping people um, the way I need to be, you know, and I, I think that's the best way to grow a business is you, you keep delivering what you say you're going to deliver and right. you help so many people that they go out there and they can't stop talking about you. Exactly. Exactly. Now you've also, you mentioned your book, The Goodbye Lupus, which is on Amazon. So again, how helpful has that, like, why did you decide to write the book and how helpful again has that been to your business? I wrote Goodbye Lupus because every time I gave a talk on stage, people would come up to me and say, I wish my aunt was here to see this. I wish my best friend was here to see this. Do you have a book that says everything you said on stage? And I kept hearing it and hearing it. And I said, okay, all right, I need to write my story down. I need, people need to have this. So I never expected it to be a bestseller. I wrote it just so if people asked me that question, I could have a few in my bag and say, oh yeah, yeah, I have a book. And you know, just, just, I, I just try to, I listen to people and I give them what they ask for. That's how I, that's how I develop each thing that I do is based on the feedback I get of what they need, you know, and, and it's weird how many business people don't do that. They come up with an idea in their head that they think people want and then they start selling it. <laughs> right, right. I, I just create products based on what people ask me that they need. So I, I wrote this book. And I didn't tell anyone I wrote it yet because I wasn't ready to launch it. And I put it on Amazon as a pre-order, but I didn't tell anyone. I did that because I needed to give myself a date that I had to finish it by. And so if I put it on Amazon, I would have to write the publishing date. <laughs> and that's the only reason. <laughs> it was for myself. I was, you know, because I have so much going on. If I don't have a date where it needs to happen, it won't happen. And that's what was going on is it was a year after I wanted to publish it and it was still not done. So put it on Amazon and I said, okay, October 31st, 2015, that's when it will be available. And I ignored it. And then October... 30th or so, I went to check on it and went, I wonder if I can change that because I don't want to publish it yet. And I looked online and it was a bestseller. And I went, are you kidding wow. me? I didn't even publish it. Yet. I didn't even tell anyone <laughs> about it. So people will ask me, what was your bestseller campaign you did? I went, secrecy was my campaign. <laughs> so I went, oh crap, I got to publish this, you know? Um, so that that's how it happened. And so now people are asking me, hey, we need this recipe book. And I go, okay, that's what the people want. So I'm almost finished with that so that people can have healing meals, not just uh, smoothie recipes. But yeah, it's everything I've done has just kind of been, you know, it's this flow of, all right, here's what's missing. You need to fill this gap. Okay, that's I'll do that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that advice about, yeah, listening to what people want and then coming up with a solution. Then it becomes a, a no-brainer, which is um, fantastic. So just um, wrapping up on the final couple of questions. So in terms of, so for other, I guess, maybe new health professionals who are sort of, you know, just kind of wanting to set up in private practice, what opinion, what's your thoughts on what are some of the key things they need to take into account? Private practice in a building or private practice Either. through the internet? Either. Just launching their own business, a health professional, a medical professional, actually launching their own business rather than, say, you know, joining somewhere and having a job. So, yeah, more from the kind of running it's your own It's a very business. difficult decision, you know, because when you – when you have a, a separate job, you know, they hire you somewhere. So for example, I had my medical director job. It's really nice because you do have to show up on the hours that they say, but you get a really nice paycheck right off the bat. 
you know, and, uh, and you just have to kind of follow their rules. So that part is nice. I actually did both at once. I was medical director and then I started a private practice with someone who already had a practice, which I really recommend because private practice is very different from residency, from working for somebody else. I mean, the papers you need to have and all the systems you have in place, it's really complicated. So I found somebody, actually he found me, somebody recommended me to him um, that was looking for a partner. And I joined his practice and he taught me all the ropes and he would send me patients because he, that's the reason he wanted a partner was he wanted someone to start taking on patients as well because he was so booked up. And so it was a really nice way to get introduced to exactly how a practice runs and also start having some salary right off the bat because you got somebody who's feeding you patients as well. So right. I really thought that was a great way to start uh, both of those things, you know, having my full-time job and then also being a part of someone else's practice so I could learn the ropes. I think so many people jump into their own business and they've got no other income stream and that's really scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And stressful as well. You know, cause yes. You, yeah. Become a bit kind of desperate um, <laughs> and, that, and patients or clients can sometimes pick up on that. Uh, well, I think that's a big issue you just said, because I think you never want to be pressuring someone to buy something because you need them to, because yeah. what they're buying should be about what they need, not about you. And it's one of the things, you know, when I have my own event, for example, so my husband and I sometimes will have amazing health and fitness event or amazing health mastery. We make sure that the ticket sales pay for the room so that when we walk onto the stage, we, we've, everything's paid for. So now we're just going to give from our hearts and that's it. And right. if somebody wants to buy more services after seeing us on stage, beautiful. We're going to help them so much. And if not one person buys something, beautiful. We gave from our hearts and it's going to be great. And of course they still do because when you give on that level, they want more of you. But I, I have so many folks that, you know, they'll invite me to speak at their events and they're already in the hole before we get there right. because they paid for everything up front and they're hoping that they're going to make enough sales to pay for it afterwards or else they lost money. And that breaks my heart because people who are doing that kind of stuff, I don't want them to lose money. I want them to be super successful because they're helping spread the word. Yeah. But yeah. people do business backwards. They, they, you know, that's why I love watching that shark, you know, the shark show, what do you call it? Shark tank. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. All these people who spent their whole life savings on an idea that they don't know if anyone actually wants it. I know. <laughs> I know. There's some horror stories out there. Like people sell it. They're like, how are you funding this? Oh, I sold my house. And we're like, <laughs> why didn't you find out if people want it first? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So fun. That's wonderful. Final question then, Brooke. So what's your long-term vision then, both for yourself, I guess your personal brand, Brooke Goldner, and your, your business? You know, for me, the vision is just, I want from the bottom of my heart to help people all over the world live their gift. And I, I feel like that's my purpose. I think my purpose is helping other people live theirs. And what gets in the way of our purpose are, you know, our illnesses, our thoughts, our beliefs, all of those things that stop us from being able to do what we're meant to do. You know, if someone's homesick or they've got arthritis or they're feeling depressed, then not only do they suffer, but everyone on earth suffers because there's a gift that's not being given. And so for me, that's, that's my vision is I know, for example, lupus. I mean, there's millions of people around the planet that are suffering that don't need to. So I'm just going to keep giving in a bigger and bigger way. I, I'm giving away more and more, teaching more and more, everything I need to do to just help there be more health and I think that's just going to make such a beautiful impact on people being able to give more as well. And what an amazing world it would be if everybody was able to just give their heart's gift. 
Oh, absolutely. Wonderful. And I love the way that you've managed to do that. You know, like you say, you've gone from being, I guess, going the traditional route to becoming a medical doctor, but then you've, you've, you've used that to fulfill your purpose. Um, Because I guess what we do is the vehicle, like the why is the purpose, this is what we want to do. And then it's kind of like, well, how or what vehicle am I going to use to deliver that? And I, I love the way that you've managed to bring everything that you've done, both your personal experience and your medical experience into doing what you're doing, which is fantastic. Fantastic. You shared some amazing uh, information and insights. Very inspiring. Um, oh, I'm looking you. forward to, to reading your book. And I know my partner is too. She's a clinical hypnotherapist and naturopath. And I know she's interested in, uh, in reading your book and finding out more about what you do. So thank you so much awesome. for coming on the show, Brooke. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been a total pleasure for me too. Thank you. So that was Dr. Brooke Goldner. You can find out more at veganmedicaldoctor.com and goodbyelupus.com. And those links are on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 96. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Vegan chef and amateur Mai Tai fighter Wat Shribungruang is set to open a raw food bakery in Manhattan, New York this month. That's January 2018 if you're listening in the future, reports Veg News. The new eatery, Rawsome Treats, great name, will feature more than 30 varieties of raw desserts including tarts, cakes, truffles and pies made with nut-based crusts, creamy cashew bases and ingredients such as matcha powder, activated charcoal and black sesame seeds. Sri Bunruang changed her diet to a raw vegan one back in 2012 while training for a Mai Tai fight before opening her company Rawsome Treats a year later to share her passion for healthy raw vegan food with friends and family. The bakery will open on Orchard Street in downtown New York which already has a vegan store, Orchard Grocer, and vegan shoe shop, Moo Shoes. So this is something to think about if you're planning to open a physical location. It can certainly help you to be in an area or on a street with other vegan businesses because you'll benefit from the existing clientele and foot traffic to the area. Or you might go a completely different direction and decide to open somewhere where you'll be the only vegan business in that area. And that can also be beneficial. It all comes down to market research. One thing's for sure, though, I'm going to need to visit New York again. (laughs) Last year in October, I was there for a week and I must admit, I comfort food ate my way through the city's many vegan eateries. So maybe on the next trip, I can mix in some healthy, raw vegan treats. While US-based Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods continue to make headlines for their innovative bleeding vegan burgers, a UK company is launching its own version next month at vegetarian restaurant Mildred's in London, reports Plant-Based News. Moving Mountains has been developing its patty for more than two years. Made from coconut oil, wheat, soy, potatoes and mushrooms, it aims to look, smell and taste like an animal-based burger. And beetroot juice has been added to produce the bleeding effect. The company also claims its B12 burger sizzles with browning on the outside while remaining red on the inside, similar to rare cooked beef. Moving Mountains founder Simeon van der Molen said, 
This marks a huge leap in innovation for humanity and will allow consumers to bite into a future that is better for their health and the health of our planet. The burger will debut on the 24th of February at the Dalston branch of Mildred's, a long-running vegetarian eatery, and will be priced at £10. So it's great to see more developments in this area, particularly as these products are not aimed specifically at vegans or even vegetarians, but at flexitarians and people who want to cut down on meat for health or environmental reasons. Finally, a new vegan restaurant app has launched in the US, which allows users to filter their searches for eateries that offer gluten-free, raw, fair trade, local and organic options. Vanilla Bean is the creation of a team of app specialists from Germany and the UK whose aim is to facilitate healthy, sustainable consumer choices without giving up the pleasures of enjoying tasty food. When asked how the app, which is free on all platforms, differs from Happy Cow, a long-standing vegan restaurant guide, co-founder and CEO Fabian Kripal told me, In addition to being a vegan restaurant guide, we are an eco and health conscious restaurant guide. This is why our categories like local, organic or fair trade ingredients, gluten-free or raw food options are front and centre of our app. We also want to speak to meat reducers and so we market our app differently. The app launched with more than 23,000 vegan-friendly restaurants, 16,000 of which are in the US alone, with the rest in the UK, Ireland, Germany, Australia, Switzerland and France. Vanilla Bean partnered with regional vegan dining guides in Washington DC, San Diego, Philadelphia, Memphis and New Orleans for local expert knowledge. In addition to community reviews, the app will also offer top restaurant recommendations by non-profits such as Veganuary, Paul McCartney's Meat-Free Monday, Compassion Over Killing and others. So this is fantastic. The more we can get people eating plant-based options, the better. So it's good to see these kinds of initiatives. And of course, if you own a vegan restaurant or cafe, make sure you head over to vanilla-bean.com to get listed. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.